0: Good morning, church family. My name is Christopher Manus and I am the husband of Melinda. I'm lucky. (laughs) For that, I have no cause to lament. (laughs) Um, But if you have been paying attention to what's going on in our world this week, you might have found yourself praying the same prayer I prayed many times, Maranatha. Come, Lord. And as we read from God's word this morning, there are still some here today who say, I have no cause to lament. My life is so good. But as a church, we mourn with those who mourn. We praise with those who praise, and we weep with those who weep. So would you please stand as I read from Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy, My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, as you've been hearing, this has been a very challenging weekend here in Pasadena, the city that God has put us in, the city that I love, and I think many of you do as well. If you haven't heard, um, Friday morning early, the Pasadena Police Department received a call uh, about um, a domestic uh, disturbance, it was called. There was danger in the situation. Several police officers rushed over. It was over here on the 200 East Orange Grove block of our city. And uh, in the course of trying to bring about um, peace, um, a young African-American man died. His name was Reginald Thomas. People called him J.R. He had eight little children. And of course, with all that's happening in our country, this has led to a lot of uh, frustration, unrest in our own city, so that there was a major protest that was called on Friday night. It's had national coverage if if you haven't followed that. I decided that I should show up. What does a pastor do in a situation? So I went down to the protest, and here's the first. I'll give you sort of what happens in the life of a pastor. Uh, THE FIRST THING THAT I HEARD AS PEOPLE WERE SPEAKING WAS ONE OF uh, JR'S CHILDREN, I THINK IT WAS SEBASTIAN, TALKING ABOUT HOW HARD IT WAS TO LOSE HIS FATHER. AND I'LL TELL YOU, MY FIRST THOUGHT WAS THIS, WHATEVER ELSE HAPPENS, IF I AS A PASTOR CAN'T CARE ABOUT uh, CHILDREN LOSING THEIR FATHER, THERE'S SOMETHING WRONG WITH ME. AND AS A PASTOR AND AS A HUMAN BEING, But even as that was going on, uh, as I went there, I met uh, a friend who's a police officer himself, and I received a text, even while Sebastian was speaking, from another police officer friend, Uh, both brothers in Christ, who, who told me that they're in what they're doing just in the same way that I, as a pastor, feel that God has called me. They feel that God has called them to this very difficult job. Uh, to provide uh, justice and peace. It's their calling. They knew when they went into this and their families knew that they would be putting themselves in harm's way. And yet all of these things happening have just increased that sort of thing. Well, from that, I went on to speak to some of our own church people and some of my pastor friends who were there and some of their church people, mostly people of color. And they shared with me uh, the feelings that they had, largely feelings of of, anger, anger, Uh, and a fear, anger because these things just keep happening and have happened for so long and they just seem to be so unjust, Happens. It seems to one people group more than other people groups uh, fear because of the sense that what has happened here could happen to them or to their husband or to their father so so easily. So with all of that going on in my mind, I thought, Lord, you've given me this calling to come and and speak into the life of the people of my church. We come from all sorts of different perspectives and backgrounds here, don't we? Just look around you and you'll know that's true. HOW DO YOU TALK ABOUT SUCH A THING THAT DIVIDES PEOPLE SO MUCH? ESPECIALLY A SERMON IS JUST THIS ONE-WAY COMMUNICATION WHERE WE CAN'T SORT OF TALK BACK AND FORTH AND, and, and LEARN FROM ONE ANOTHER. AND HERE'S WHAT CAME TO MY MIND. I, I DON'T KNOW WHAT ELSE TO, to DO. I JUST SENSE THE LORD SAYING, JUST OPEN MY WORD. Uh, WE NEED TO HEAR A WORD FROM OUR FATHER. AND SO WE CAME BACK TO THE TEXT THAT'S BEEN PLANNED FOR MONTHS FOR TODAY, uh, THE ONE THAT CHRISTOPHER JUST READ FOR US, It's Psalm 42, and actually you should read Psalm 42 and 43. It's one longer song written by a man in a time when his life was just topsy-turvy. I mean, he was in such discouragement, such darkness at the time, actually a deep, deep depression. So that's what we're going to be looking at. And here's my prayer. I just pray that as we hear our Father's word today, that he will speak to you. That, he'll, that you'll hear. I don't know how he'll speak to you. I pray his word might just come through all of these things and bring a message to you, a message that he is God, that he is here, a word of encouragement, but also of direction for your life. Well, now, when you, read, when you read this 42nd Psalm, I first want you to know it is a song for your heart. I think when I prepared the message, I said a song on our emotions. It's really a song for your heart, as many songs are. And you can really see that. If, if you have your Bible, you'll see that just below Psalm 42 and just before the song begins, it has this superscription. And one of the things you see there is it's for the director of music. It's for the choir master. So this was written for Dwayne and John and Jeremy. Th- this song was supposed to be sung by the people of God there. And it was written, you see, by these people called the sons of Korah. That was a particular group of priests that had the charge from God to lead the people in musical worship. See, that is a real calling from God because music is something that speaks into our hearts and into our emotions. And I tell you, if you've ever gone through a time of deep discouragement, a times of darkness, this psalm was written for you and for your heart, just the way it's written. Uh, I hope you'll read it some uh, this week. Uh, But there are four stanzas. And each stanza is followed by a chorus, just like the hymns in so many of our songs in, in the hymnal. And each stanza is a, an outpouring of prayer, of pleading to God, saying, life is hard. I am deeply downcast. Uh, deep is crying out to deep. So they would, the, the psalmists would sense things aren't right in this world. And it's really hard. I don't even want to go on. And then comes the chorus but I'm gonna put my hope in God. I don't know why I'm downcast because God is here and you would think, okay, it's over. But then comes the second stanza. It's gotten worse. The deep inside of me is crying out and making me deeper still. And then comes back the chorus saying, no, no, no. Soul, trust in God. Don't give up. But then it it doesn't end. It comes the third wave of this discouragement and depression and all I'm saying to you is this. IF YOU'VE EVER GONE THROUGH A TIME OF DEPRESSION AND DARKNESS IN YOUR LIFE, YOU'LL KNOW THAT THIS IS HOW IT IS. IT'S LIKE WAVES COMING. SOMETHING HAPPENS THAT OFTEN LIFTS THAT A LITTLE BIT INTO THE LIGHT, AND YOU THINK IT'S OVER, BUT THEN IT it COMES BACK AGAIN. AND WHEN I SAY THAT, I'VE GOT TO TELL YOU THIS. YOU KNOW, I GREW UP... MY FATHER BECAME A CHRISTIAN WHEN I WAS SIX, SO I GREW UP WITH MANY, MANY SERMONS. KIDS SAT IN CHURCH WHEN I WAS A LITTLE KID. And I just remember the pastor so often saying something like this. Once you become a strong Christian, you won't have these times of discouragement and depression. (laughs) I've heard that so often. Have you ever heard that? Uh, I just want to tell you that is not true. That is not true. The Bible doesn't support that at all. Uh, many of the people of deepest, strongest faith in the Bible went through times of deep, deep darkness. Moses, uh, when everybody was complaining about his leadership, which you never do about your pastor's leadership, I, n- I know. <laughs> but finally, he just said, God, I'm doing more harm than good. Just take me home. I'm ready to die. Uh, David, the great king, the man after God's own heart, when his son Absalom died, What he said, even though his son had turned against him with the death of his son, as a father, you feel his heart. Absalom, my son, my son, I wish I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Any parent can feel that, can't you? The the great Elijah, the tremendous prophet, after one of his greatest victories in 1 Kings chapter 18, For some reason, instead of being on top of the world, went into a deep depression. He went out into the wilderness. He's found hiding in a cave. And he just wants to die. And I can imagine a few of you might be thinking, well, those are those Old Testament guys. It doesn't happen to us. But listen to Jesus. Just before he was going to go to the cross and do what we remembered him doing, bearing THE PUNISHMENT FOR YOUR SINS AND MINE AND THE SINS OF THE WORLD, CRYING OUT TO HIS FATHER, MY SOUL, FATHER, IS OVERWHELMED WITH SORROW. IT'S EVEN TO THE POINT OF DYING. SOUNDS JUST LIKE PSALM 42. THOSE WERE NOT PEOPLE OF WEAK FAITH. WHAT THEY WERE, JESUS, FULLY GOD, YES, BUT ALSO FULLY HUMAN. LIVING AS PEOPLE OF FAITH IN THIS SIN-FILLED, IMPERFECT WORLD WHERE SOMETIMES THINGS HAPPEN THAT SEEM SO WRONG AND ARE SO HARD. THESE PSALMS EXPRESS WHAT PEOPLE FEEL. IT IS GOD'S SAYING. I'M GOING TO PUT THAT RIGHT INTO MY WORD TO LET YOU KNOW THAT I KNOW. I KNOW WHAT YOU FEEL. IT IS A SONG FOR YOUR HEART. BUT IT'S NOT JUST THAT. IT'S ALSO A SONG FOR YOUR HEAD. <laughs> For your mind as well and where do you see that pastor so again in that little superscription you know it's called a mascal of the sons of Kor. do you see that what on earth is a mascal well the hebrew word is uh to give a word of wisdom or to instruct you in other words this is not just a song for your heart but God's in, in given this so that when you go through a, a tough time like we're going through in our city, that this is there to instruct us on how we might live and how we walk with God, even when sometimes we wonder what on earth is God doing? Uh, I believe that if you'll just read through this psalm a number of times, it will help shape both your heart and your mind. It'll help you to feel and to think with God. That's my prayer. That, that is my prayer. So let's pull and look at the thing. Uh, What triggered his his depression? And the problem is, and he states it three times, that he's downcast. Did you notice that, as Chris read, that that word is used three times? Verse 5 of chapter 42, verse 11 of chapter 42, and then over into chapter 43, verse 5. It's a strong Hebrew word, the word that's translated downcast. The root meaning of it means uh, to collapse. or or, or to disintegrate or to fall apart. Can't you see what he's saying? God, there are things happening in my life that I just feel like I'm falling apart. I feel like I'm about to collapse. I am spent. I have no more energy. I can't go on. Have you ever felt like that? If you haven't, I bet you know some people who have, right? I bet you know some people who have. Now, the thing I want you to see is what it was that triggered this discouragement and depression. And it wasn't what so often does it in our lives. It wasn't because he was in great physical pain or suffering. There are other psalms about that. We might get to one of those later in this series. That isn't what caused it. Um, It isn't because he has sinned and he just feels that deep shame and guilt that we feel when we know we've been tempted and given in again. Do you know how that wrecks our spiritual lives? But that's not situation here. We are going to look at one of those in a few weeks, Psalm 51, I believe. And it isn't even what's been happening in our city. The main thing for him was not that he felt like there were injustices that were going on that were specifically directed toward him as a Jewish man. No, uh, there were adversaries. Uh, but the adversaries that he speaks about were more the kind of people who were just mocking his faith at, at work or in school. So, so what is it that triggered his depression? And I just went through and I wrote these down. I, I think sometimes these happen to us. I'll put them up here for you to think about them. Number one, for this particular man, his rhythms of worshiping God and fellowshipping with God's people had gotten out of sync. Um, So he says, and you probably noticed it in verse 4, I remember, this was in the midst of one of his cycles of depression, I remember how I would go to the house of God, and back then I'd do it with glad shouts at times. Right in that song, I clapped and I shouted, and these were songs of praise. I don't feel like it anymore, but I remember that. So he was away from his worshiping community. Maybe his job had moved him away. I don't know. Maybe he had just chosen not to go to church anymore. I'll tell you that. All this is, is to say to you that there is a rhythm that God would build into your life and into mine to be able to live and to trust him in the midst of this very challenging world that he has put us in. And that is a regular part of our lives, is to gather together with God's people, even when we don't feel like it, Lift our voices to him in praise. Lift our eyes to him in worship. Getting into a small group, too, and having some fellowship, having people pray for you so that you can go back into some of the difficulties of this world. So many times when people go through depression, that's the very time you don't show up at church. I just have to tell you, I mean, the pastor always wants you in church, right? (laughs) But I've just got to tell you, that's the time when you most need to be here. And the reality is we need to just have this regular cycle where we gather and cast our eyes and our hearts upon the Lord. But, but he, that had been broken in his life, so he had no spiritual resources. What else happened? Not only that, but in his regular life, there were ongoing spiritual attacks against his faith. So he says in verse 10, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, WHERE IS YOUR GOD? So, SO MANY OF YOU HAVE SPOKEN TO ME ABOUT HOW HARD IT IS TO BE THE ONLY CHRISTIAN THAT YOU KNOW OF IN YOUR WORKPLACE, OR MAYBE THE ONLY CHRISTIAN THAT YOU KNOW OF AT YOUR SCHOOL. OR MAYBE YOU'RE THE ONLY CHRISTIAN IN YOUR FAMILY AND HOW HARD THAT IS NOT TO GET ANY ENCOURAGEMENT. SO YOU CAN IMAGINE uh, FOR THIS MAN, HE WAS AWAY FROM EVER WORSHIPPING AND HAVING ANY INPUT FROM HIS FAMILY, BUT ALSO EVERY DAY OF HIS LIFE, EVERYBODY WAS UNDERMINING HIS FAITH AND MAKING FUN OF IT. YOU CAN SEE WHERE HE WOULD BE SPIRITUALLY DEPLETED, CAN'T YOU? NOW, ADDED TO ALL THAT IS THIS THIRD TRIGGER THAT I SEE, THAT IN THIS JUST NORMAL FUNCTIONING OF LIFE, HIS RHYTHMS OF LIFE WERE OUT OF SYNC. So he says in verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. When you read that verse and those words and you read the rest of the, the psalm, what you're going to see is this man wasn't sleeping much and he wasn't eating much. Um, maybe he didn't feel like it. Maybe the troubles that he had just kept him awake at night. But, but the, what that ended up having it, uh, happening in his life was he had no energy and no strength to be able to face the difficulties that were coming. So, listen to me. Let me tell you a little bit about us as human beings. When, when you read in the Bible, you can see that there are different aspects of our lives as human beings. I mean, we, we can talk about we have our relational lives with our friends and our family. Uh, we have our emotional lives. Uh, we have our biological, our physical lives, part of that aspect. We have the spiritual part of our lives. So even though we can divide ourselves up into those different aspects, you you know, you and I are still one whole person. And every one of those parts affects all the others. So what's happened to him? I could just see it. He, he He had stopped eating except maybe cotton candy at Dodger games. So his whole eating pattern had gotten out of sync. He wasn't sleeping. And that was affecting his emotional life, his spiritual life, every other part of his being. So sometimes when you go through these really dark, difficult times, you need to pull back and simply say, Lord, have I been living this life and drawing upon the normal uh, gifts that you provide of exercise and eating well and sleeping well. Maybe you sometimes need to go see a good counselor who can help you to get your biology back in balance with medications or with good counsel. And as I speak about this, some of you might say, Pastor, where on earth do you see anything like that in the Bible? Well, I'll show you one place. It's that story of Elijah, 1 Kings 18 and 19. Do you know that story? If you don't know it, if you haven't read the Bible very much, this is a great story. So Elijah was a prophet. Uh, the people of God had turned away from him. The political leaders had turned away from God. God sent him into the, the place. He has this big battle with the prophets of Baal. Through a stupendous and miraculous work of God, there was a tremendous victory. And as I said earlier, you would think with a victory, you'd be on top of the world, but he goes into a deep depression. My guess is he'd been so busy in ministry he hadn't been sleeping and eating. Well, I don't know. But then you find him in 1 Kings 19 in this cave just wanting to die. Well, God loves his man, Elijah, and he sends an angel to him to minister to him. And do you know what the angel does? Does he turn to him and say, Elijah, what you've got to do is pray more. Well, he did need to pray more. Or, or did he say, you know what I'd recommend you doing? Go on and listen to some of Pastor Waybright's podcasts. I think, I think that's what you really need. <laughs> I wish he had, but he didn't say that. You know what he does? He cooks him a meal. And then he has him sleep. And then he gives him a meal. I wonder what kind of a meal an angel would make. MAYBE SOMETHING HE'S WATCHED BOBBY Flay ON THE FOOD CHANNEL. I I DON'T KNOW. WHAT KIND OF FOOD WOULD THAT BE? ALL I CAN TELL YOU IS THIS. THIS VERSE 8 OF 1 KINGS 19 IS SO INSIGHTFUL. IT SAYS, STRENGTHENED BY THE FOOD, ELIJAH TRAVELED 40 DAYS AND 40 NIGHTS UNTIL HE REACHED THE MOUNTAIN OF GOD. SOMETIMES IN THE MIDST OF DEEP DISCOURAGEMENT, YOU JUST HAVE TO GET SOME OF THOSE REGULAR PARTS of, OF LIVING LIFE WELL back into order. But what I call the foundational trigger, I mean, you, you have this thing, he wasn't worshiping anymore, he, people were undermining his faith and his life was out of sync, but the foundational trigger for him was that God seemed far away. God seemed far away. So the, his song begins with that profound statement, as the deer pants for streams of water. Remember, this was a desert community. So you can imagine being out in the sun in the desert, what it means to pant for water, can't you? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my living God. Listen to me. The reality is you and I were made for God. Um, As water is to our physical being, so God is to the whole of our being. We're human beings made in the image of God. Um, my little pet Sheltie dog um, just can find meaning in getting a treat or taking a walk. I love those kinds of things, but, but I'm made for more than that. Do you remember my message to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 3? God has set eternity in our hearts there are other things that can fill parts of our being, but foundationally, you and I were made by an eternal God to have a relationship with him, Amen. to know that he's there with you. Do you know that great statement from St. Augustine, who had found God later in his life, and then in his confessions would write this, you have made us for yourself, so our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Amen. I think sometimes... When you're younger, I try to remember back to when I was younger. It's getting harder and harder. (laughs) Sometimes you just feel like someday some of those things that I really am feeling I need to fill up my life, I'll get those things. If I can just get into the right university. If I can just get out of that university, <laughs> if, if, I, if I could marry that person I'm, I'm attracted to, if, if I, I could get that job, and we come up with these bucket lists I wanna do this, I wanna to travel to this place, I wanna dine in this place. And we experience those things over the many, many years, and they're wonderful. I mean, I, they're parts of God's creation. But I tell you, there's something much more basic that you need in your life, and that is a relationship to God and an experience that he is there with you. So if you've come here today and you've never been able to know God, the maker of the universe, as your father, you need that more than anything else, and it's available to you through turning your sins over to him and confessing them and receiving his forgiveness, receiving Jesus as your Savior. That's where it begins. But having said that, this man was a man of faith in God, And yet, he still felt that his life was collapsing. And so do we sometimes. And so I have thought, remember, it's a masculine, it teaches us what does he do? What does he do? And so I've written these down for you, I'll put them up, I find them to be helpful. Uh, see if you do as well. I pray that the God might speak to you in the midst of this. What, what does he do? What did I call it here? I called it um, "What does the psalmist do while in the darkness? He does a lot of things that he didn't feel like doing. First, he prays when he doesn't feel like praying. So you see in verse four, I pour out my soul." In other words, those things are inside of me. I just pour them out to God, and a part of it is verse nine, "Why have you forgotten me, God? why he's honest enough to ask why not just once but four times and and you see here all of the things that he is feeling and thinking he doesn't keep them from god he brings them to god which shows us that the faith that we have is a real relationship to god it's not this sort of religiosity that we just sort of have these prescribed things written that we read them and hope, poof, if you know, religiously something will happen, it is a real relationship to God where we come to him and say, God, this is what I am feeling. He felt that God had even forsaken him. Deep down, I don't think he, he, he thought that, but it felt like it. Verse 8, he says, By day, Lord, you're directing your love to me, but I'll tell you, at night, it feels like you're far away from me again. The, the only thing I want to tell you is this. When you're going through really dark times, even if you don't feel like it, turn your eyes to God and spend some time in prayer. Do you know what it's like? It's like waking up in the middle of the night. You open your eyes, and in the darkness you can't see a thing, right? But you keep your eyes open, and your eyes begin to adjust. Then slowly slowly you begin to see in the darkness of your world you fix your eyes upon the lord and slowly slowly the light begins to dawn i've experienced it so many times even when you don't feel like it spend some time in prayer what what else does he do He affirms that God loves him, even when he doesn't feel that. By day, he says in this, the Lord directs his love. And the word that is used for love, the Hebrew word hesed, means this covenantal love that God has promised, I will always love you. And if you read through the psalm, he'd experienced so much of that love and joy of God when he worshiped together with God's people. I can't overemphasize the importance in the midst of the time when your life feels to be so dark and and so dry that you come in and worship God, sing the songs together with us. I could say so much more about this, but all I can tell you this, as he continued to pray on, as he continued to remember God's love for him, the light did slowly begin to dawn in his life so that when you get to the last Stanza, Chapter 43, verses 3 and 4. This is what he says. So send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to the place, God, where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my joy and my delight, O God. Now he says, my God. So he prays when he doesn't feel like it. He affirms that God loves him even if he's not feeling it at the time. And then this part, he sings when he surely doesn't feel like singing. In verse 8, at night, in these dark times, his song is with me, and that becomes a prayer to the God of my life. God of my life, I'm not surviving. That's what he says here. God, you're the one who can help me to to survive this thing and and make it through. And it's interesting that he experiences that as he begins to sing. Well, AS I THOUGHT ABOUT THAT, I THOUGHT, THAT'S HAPPENED SO MANY TIMES IN MY WALK WITH GOD. HAS IT IN YOURS? Uh, TIMES ARE REALLY DIFFICULT. AND I'LL REMEMBER A SONG, SOMETIMES SONGS THAT WE SING HERE. ONE OF THE SONGS I'VE SO OFTEN SUNG IN THOSE TIMES ARE SONG THAT MY, MANY OF YOU HAVE MET HIM, MY VERY CLOSE FRIEND, JAMIE RANKIN FROM PRINCETON. HE WROTE A SONG FROM ISAIAH 40 AND 41 THAT, that SAYS, FEAR NOT. For I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I've sung it so many times. And suddenly I began to really say, yes, that's what I believe. Have you ever been lifted up by a song in a difficult time? I began to wonder, am I the only one? And uh, so I wrote a note to all of our pastors and staff members here at Lake Avenue Church. I said, are there any songs that you sing in difficult times? Now, usually when I send out these notes, everybody ignores me. I'll I'll just tell you that. (laughs) This time, within one hour, I had a playlist so long, it would take me weeks to listen to all of these songs. And it became clear to me, this is a part of the way we, as God's people, find strength in the midst of the darkness. These songs that are gifts from the Lord. So, so, we put together a playlist. You can go on and find them if you go onto our website. And I think we have a slide up here that will help you to find it. And if you're really good, you can go onto our Facebook site and add to the list. Now, we had many kinds of songs, many of them older hymns, some of them written by people in great difficult times, just as this song was written that we're looking at today. Most of them, though, are songs that were written in the slavery period of our own country where people who are going through slavery and and great racial injustice would sing songs nobody knows the trouble I see but Jesus does and continue to sing those songs at the end of our service we'll sing another we'll have one of those songs sung and we'll join with it that really is just like this song Uh, Even though this psalm wasn't written in the same kind of time of of racial injustice, it may have been because Jewish people often were persecuted so heavily by the people around them. Anti-Semitism has always existed. So maybe it was. And here he is telling us, whatever happens, pray on. Just a little longer. God's going to do his work. Uh, Sing on. (laughs) Walk on. Hold on. Don't give up. God will be there. So I, I tell you, sing a few songs in the midst of the difficulty and the light might break through. Now, the last thing he does is that he preaches to himself. He speaks truth to himself that maybe he didn't really want to hear. And this is what he says. You, God, are my stronghold. So why, soul, are you downcast? Soul, trust in God. Don't give up. Now, of course, to be able to pray like that, you've got to know God. God. So I'm praying today if you've come and you don't know him as your God and Jesus as your Savior, this will be your beginning. And you've got to know something about God. He had to know that God was a strongholder. You don't know what to say. But when you do, you can begin talking to yourself. And this is so counter to the what, what's natural to us. When our emotions are in the depths, our emotions speak to us. Those people are rotters out there. Woe is you. You know, all of our emotions speak to us. And he says, no, no, no. Take out what you believe about God and you preach to them. Preach to your soul. Soul, this is what you believe. And I'm going to live according to that. I I was thinking, I know John Piper, the the well-known pastor from back in in Minnesota, has struggled with depression his whole life. So I went on to his website and I found what he had said to his people about this psalm. And this is what he said to them. I cannot tell you how many hundreds of times in my years as pastor I have fought back the heaviness of discouragement with these very words. Hope in God, John. Hope in God. You will again praise him. This miserable emotion will pass. The season will pass. Don't be downcast. Look to Jesus the light will dawn. I often just take a passage of Scripture and and pray it right at myself like this, Romans 8. Listen, self, if God is for you, who can be against you? The, The one who didn't spare his own son but gave him up for you, how will he not also with him graciously give you all things that you need? Who who shall bring any charge against you if if you're my child? It's God who justifies. So who's going to condemn you? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he's the one who was raised. And he is at the right hand of God, interceding for you. Greg, who can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus your Lord? I just preach that to myself. And sometimes it actually helps. helps and maybe you will as well. Brothers and sisters, I just tell you, this is such a real-to-life psalm. Anybody else think so? Even the way it ends is so real to life. Uh, At the very end, after going through four waves of this darkness, uh, this psalmist comes right back again. Why are you still so disturbed? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and God. What I sense when I read this is, okay, my hope's in God now, but I I know that this kind of discouragement can come back again. But I sense that he knows what every biblical writer knew and, and what I pray you and I know as well, that the God who made this world has promised that he will bring all things to completion. We're not there yet. You and I know this better than the psalmist knew that someday he's going to make everything right. Even now, he gives us the opportunity to give witness to him and to step out and be a voice for the voiceless and to go out and and being involved in God's reconciling work in our neighborhood. That's why I go and show up at places. But until that work is done, I pray that this psalm might help you to uh, pray on just a little while longer. Walk on, sing on, just a little while longer and that you will know the presence of God, the guidance of God, the sufficiency of God and your life in the midst of the darkest times might be able to bring glory to him. May it be to his glory. Amen. Amen. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, take this, your word. We're all at different stages in our lives and our perspectives on what's happening in our city and our nation and our world. But, Father, you are our Father. And this is your word to us as your children. So use it, Father, to speak to us. For some here today, Father, may this be the time that they, for the first time, simply say, I believe. I'm ready to follow Jesus. For the rest of us, Father, how much I pray that each one who has come to church today might have had a fresh encounter with you through your word and a new readiness to hold on to you even as we know you hold on to us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.